Hey, everybody, and welcome to Life on Point. My name is Darren Deloach. I am one of the pastors at Connecting Point Church here in Jackson, Missouri. And with me, as always, is lead pastor Chris Vault. And today, before we get started, though, wherever you guys are watching or listening, be sure to give us a review. Man, make it a good one. Give us a five star if you can. Leave us a comment. Follow us. Whatever it can take to help the algorithm get more of this out. Whatever you can do, we would appreciate it. We love you guys. We love to get more and more of this content out to you. But today, we're going to look into deep dive and do a little more than just talk about what the expression means. It's not really about that. We're really going to unpack what uh, how how Pastor Chris felt like, feels like it applied to not just our church, but just to the church in general. And it's an expression out of Joshua that we hear a lot. Some people may not even know it comes out of Joshua. Right. Uh, but it's, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and you see that phrase, you know, any home decor yep. uh, business you walk into, yep. they've got plaques on it. Every once in a while, you'll see somebody with it on their T-shirt. Oh, yeah. And like you said, a lot of folks probably don't even know where it comes from or what the context is. And today we're going to dive into the context. Okay. And look and see what God is calling us to because we understand uh, as followers of Jesus, God's given us great principles to live our life by. And when Joshua was saying this, it was at a very pivotal point in Jewish history. Right. Uh, And it's so applicable even for us in today's culture. As we dive into this, that's what we're going to see. And Joshua was the uh, successor to, he's the one to replace uh, Moses. Moses brought the uh, the Hebrews out of, of Egypt into the wilderness. And in that transition, before they ever made it into the promise, Moses dies. Mm-hmm. And Joshua is, is, is announced and promoted to the leader of the, the, the Jewish people, the Hebrew people. Mm-hmm. And, and they've already went through several events under yeah. Joshua's reign. And this is towards the middle of his, of his time. And then and there, and there comes to this point where they're having to make a very big decision. Yeah, I mean, actually, this is really close to his end because he's going to die right after this chapter. But, I mean, yeah, they've, they've crossed Jericho. They've seen yep. the miracles. They've marched around the walls, and the walls have come tumbling down. They've dealt with with sin in the camp, and yep. they've, you know, and they've had some ups and they've had some downs, and here they are right on the brink of entering into this land and taking possession, rather, yep. of the land God promised them so many years ago through Moses, but even beyond that, Abraham, Abraham, yep, right, and they just couldn't see it until they were living in that moment where God is bringing them to this land. They're fulfilling the promise God made to Abraham that they're going to have Canaan land. They got this land. Here's the deal: when most time, especially church people, when we talk about going to the promised land, of course, Christians we see the type and shadow of where. Heaven, right? Heaven. Sorry, yeah. I'm drinking Woo! right about that. Yeah. See, I did that on purpose. It's, it's perfect to ask somebody a question when they're should've, eating or drinking. Should have blown a little bit up. But I didn't. <laughs> but we, we want to go talking about heaven. Here's one right, big heaven. difference between the promised land God promised the children of Israel and what we as Christians look at as our promised land, which is heaven. And that is this land they were going into was already inhabited. Right. <laughs> It was inhabited by people who were not followers of God. They were not believers in Yahweh, Jehovah. Uh, they worshiped many gods. That's right. 
uh, there were a warring group of people already right. living there, many different tribes. And when we come to Joshua 24, they're about to go into this promised land. They're standing on the promises of God, but at the same time, Joshua is going to remind them, you're going into a land that doesn't know God. They don't fear God. They worship other gods. They have different social norms than what we have as people of God. And he's got to prepare them. And he's actually calling them to a decision. Mm. I find this so incredibly important for us today because we're not in heaven yet either. That's right. And it doesn't matter if you're viewing this from America or from one of the other countries, uh, some other country. And we have many who watch mm. our program. But um, wherever you're at, you're not in heaven yet. And there are people around you who do not follow God, who may have different belief systems than you, have different um, social norms than you. The key is going to be, what about you? And this is what Joshua's bringing them to. What about you? And in other words, you have to prepare yourself for what you're going to stand for and who you're going to follow before the culture influences you. Mm. That's why this is so huge to me, is he's preparing them before they entered the culture, make a decision now, who you're going to serve. And so he makes this incredible declaration. I'll tell you, it's for me and my house. That's for me and my house. The, um, I know I can imagine uh, with, within that group of literally millions of people, uh, there were people with all different types of thought processes as they were getting ready to go dive into this promised <laughs> land. They have had all the warning, but you know some were going in gung-ho. Some were going in hesitant. Some were going in scared. Absolutely. Some were, some were almost probably thinking about, you know, I don't even want to go. <laughs> So I'm assuming you had all of those. I know well, it's kind of like whenever we somebody, read scriptures, there's a couple of tribes exactly. that said, we'll stay on the other we'll side stay of the river. this way. And even because you think about that within a Christian's life. I mean, when we first become a Christian, somebody, when they, they get, when they get saved, yeah. they're gung ho. Ready to go. They want to tackle hell with, you know, like they with always say, ready to tackle hell, hell with a spit gun. <laughs> and there's some that are a little more hesitant than the others. Sure. There's some that are more the little intellectual side and they want to kind of process it a little bit. Mm -hmm. and then there's some like, eh, I'm saved. I'm just going to hang out right here. Right. And so it does apply. It does. And so and then Joshua's telling them, you guys got to make a decision. That's what it. it's going to be. And so you're either going to go forward or you're going <laughs> to you're going to struggle. Yeah, absolutely. And so <clears throat> diving into this, uh, it's great for all of us to really think about this and ask ourselves the question, what kind of home do we want? Yep. Right? I mean, that's a decision you need to make. I've got to make. You've got to make. What kind, of dis what kind of home do we want? Who are we going to serve? Who are we going to follow? And part of that is preparing your mind. You know, the Scripture says, uh, Peter, Peter writes about being sober, yeah. being alert, being vigilant, being sober-minded, mm -hmm. not letting things catch you off guard. And there he's talking about spiritual warfare. He says, you know, your adversary is seeking about like yes. a roaring lion. But that principle is all through the New Testament. Be sober. It's even in the Old Testament. I mean, if you remember the story of Gideon, mm -hmm. and when he had, I think it was, what, 10,000 troops or mm -hmm. so, and God said, oh, you still got too many. Take them down to the, to the river and see which ones lap up the water like a dog and yep. which ones stick their head down in the water. Yep. What was he doing? He was, he was letting him pick out which ones are vigilant because if you're vigilant, you would drink water, bring the water to your mouth, looking around at where the enemy might be. Mm-hmm. But if you're not worried, if you're not sober-minded, you're not vigilant, you stick your head down in the water like an ostrich, right? That's right. Suck it all up. Apples. Um, 
it ended up having 300 soldiers to go fight Median, <laughs> right? This is the principle that Joshua is calling it them is. to. The first step you and I need to understand is we have to make a choice. Do we want to have a house that serves the Lord or are we going to follow some other path? But let's say we say we're going to serve the Lord. Mm-hmm. Now, then a key here is, okay, make the decision to serve the Lord now be alert, look around you, realize you're not in heaven yet. There is preparation that has to be made. And the first first place to prepare yourself is inside your own heart, mm-hmm. inside your own mind. Don't get caught up with what you're, what's coming. Prepare yourself. And sometimes the best way to know who God is and to recognize who he's been with you is to look backwards, mm-hmm. to look what he's done. And to recognize what he's done in your life, and I know I think Joshua uh, kind of implores the the people of, of Israel or the Hebrews to do that, right? You know, when you read Joshua twenty four, mm-hmm. verse fifteen is where he says, "As for yep. me and my house," and and if you read the chapter, it's like right almost in the middle. Yep. Right. I mean, he's like right there at the middle when he says the the, the famous, famous slogan, the slogan, right? Yeah, "As for me and my house," the statement. The whole first half of the chapter, I mean, it's it's masterful. The whole first half of the chapter is him saying, hey, guys, do you remember what God has done for us? And he actually goes back all the way to Abraham. He, he traces it all the way back through their lineage, their ancestry, okay. if you would, and he just begins to name God event after God event after God event and says, before he ever says, as for me, he's saying, guys, I want you to know you're going into a land. Not everybody's going to believe God. You're going into a land. Not everybody's going to have your same traditions and beliefs and social norms. Let me just remind you about the God who got you here. And, you know, when we preached on this in our church, we talked about what, what Joshua, I think, is leading us to is if we're going to serve the Lord, we're, we're, we've got to focus on the grace of God. We've got to be a house of grace. Yeah. And we've got to stop and look back and say, man, you know, God has actually been with us for a long time. Mm-hmm. God's actually done things for us that we didn't recognize in the moment. You know, I can think of things. I'm sure you can. I'm sure you watching. Mm-hmm. If you stop long enough and just think back, you will see the hand of God at times in your life and over your family that in the moment you didn't even recognize. And it is vital to our faith to have moments where we stop and look back Mm. and talk about what God has already done. What happens when you start thinking back about what God has already done for you? What does that do for you? Yeah, it, it, uh, it burns that, well, I call it that, it just burns back in that very moment whenever Christ came into my life. And all of a sudden you're overwhelmed by that, that feeling again, because you knew now I know that what happened then changed the trajectory of my life. Of course, at the time I didn't know that, yeah. but it all comes flooding back and you're right. It is like, it moves you because it's like, man, he didn't have to do that, but he did. And so, you know, it's thankful. You're thankful and you know, he's trustworthy and you know, he's always there. Even whenever you've blown it a million times, you know, he's there. Yeah. Sometimes we just need to think back at what God's done yeah, and let ourselves again be refreshed with the grace of God that yep. we experienced our salvation, builds back our faith. Mm-hmm. Like we have it a, does. Oh yeah, you know what? I, um, I was recently with uh, a lady speaking about her husband, who was in the hospital. He's very sick, 
And he called her one day, and he's having a panic attack after a procedure in the hospital. Mm -hmm. She had to go to work. She's working. He has a panic attack with her on the phone. He's just, just fear came over him, just that moment, right? And it's not normally this guy. Finally, he has said, I just need to speak to my son-in-law. And so she said, well, I can arrange that. She had the son-in-law call him. 30 minutes later, she called to check on him. Totally different man. He answered the phone like this. Hey, what's up, babe? And she's like, what do you mean, what's up? You were having a panic attack 30 minutes ago. What happened? Here's what he told her. He said, I just needed somebody to remind me that God's got my back. Mm, that's good. That's good. He didn't know what the future held for him. Mm -hmm. Right. And he just needed to remember that God had his back. And, and listen, this is so key if we're wanting to build faith in our house. If we're wanting our children, our grandchildren to be influenced for God, here's, here's how I... I've been saying it around here at CPC, we've got to make talking about God normal in our homes again. And and that's the whole thing about this whole message. Whenever we were, whenever you were uh, unpacking it to the church, is it revolves around the idea of of your home, your house being a house that follows the Lord. And and Joshua represents something in that dynamic. He represents what? He represents more or less the father of the house because he yes. was the strong leader. It may not be the father. Spiritual father. Whoever right. the leader of that house is, whoever the leader, because in some cases we know some people, the leader of the house is a mom. There's single moms out there, and you are in this case being called to be the Joshua. Exactly. you have to make the stand. But whoever the leader of that household is, male or female in this case, needs to be the one that puts their foot down and say, from this point forward, we're going to follow the Lord. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, and when you when you start that conversation off with your kids, all right, for example, you go to, to a kid and say at the dinner table, hey, y'all, we're <laughs> going to serve the Lord in this house. You know what kids are going to do. Kids are going to be like, ah, even if they want to, because mom or dad said it, yep. they're going to be like, I don't know, mom, dad said it. I don't know if I want to do this or not. But when you follow what Joshua did, mm. you change the whole environment. He starts out by saying, hey, guys, do you remember what God's done for us? Mm. And you know what he's doing there? He's actually following what Moses taught in the book of Deuteronomy. The Jewish people would call this the Shema. Yep. And the Shema, God gives it to Moses to give to the people. And watch this, watch this. This is so cool. God actually calls the home to be the first disciple makers of their children. The first pastors to the home is the leaders in the home, not That's the right. church. And through the Shema, Deuteronomy says that when we rise up in the morning, when we sit down yep. in the evenings, when we are at the table or walk along the road, we should talk about God. And when you start telling the stories of God and the, how God is moving and you make God personal, See, this is a big thing for me with our homes. If our homes are going to choose to serve the Lord, and listen to me, this is so vital. We have to make talking about God normal, but the way we talk about God needs to show his compassion, his love, yep. but also that he's personable, Yep, that he's a personal God. If he's not personal, he's just some distant deity. And there's a lot of people who say, oh, yeah, I know there's a God out there, but they don't know him. There's a difference between knowing about God and knowing God. And if we want to pass faith on to the next generation, or we want our homes to be saturated with the presence of God, God has to become more than a distant deity. He has to become a personal Savior. And 
and that, and you mentioned earlier this how this idea of a house of grace. In order for that to happen, probably sometimes, yeah, you have that sit down discussion. But most people, and specifically kids, they're gonna do they're gonna do way more and more apt to follow you if you, if, as the mm. leader of your house mm. and the per- yeah. other leader of your house, are gracious towards one another, and you walk this thing out <laughs> in real time, not yes. just give them a bunch of commands. Absolutely. If if you don't display. Yep. The character of the God you're trying to, you know, project or preach to yep. your family, not gonna happen. They're not going to receive it, <laughs> oh, right? Right. I mean, if you say God's a God of forgiveness and you're not willing to forgive and give each other in the home a second chance, that doesn't mean don't discipline. That's right. God chastises us; He disciplines us, yep. but He disciplines in love and with a purpose. Yep. And. Sometimes we just need to have more conversations in the home when we have to discipline what the purpose is and what the end goal is. Don't ask me why. Just uh, all of a sudden, if you're young, you won't know this at all. I remember Little House on the Prairie. It's a little old oh, sure. TV show that was on for years, and there was always some major dilemma that happened in that family, right? Always. But every time you just said, we always have, everything we learned should have a purpose behind it. So every thing that ever happened in that show there was some point where the, the father would sit down with his kiddos yeah. and he would have some teaching point from whatever it was they went through that's that's right exactly what went through my mind and sorry if you don't know the reference but it's this <laughs> cheesy old show that was on back in the 70s i guess right. it was but so we just need a little bit more little house in the prayer. a little more yeah. little, well, i don't know about that, <laughs> I don't about that either <laughs> A little more of that I'm method of following but your Jesus. Basic, your, basic, your basic idea is, is here, yeah, man, there's going to be times where you're going to have to to discipline a child. Mm-hmm. But you can do that with grace. Absolutely. And, and uh, just like God does with us. I mean, he doesn't mm. – if I mess up and tell a little white lie to somebody, all of a sudden I don't burn up to a crisp and, you know, no. and go away. No, he gives me grace. In fact, he don't even necessarily condemn me at that very moment or even tell me about it that hours later, days later. He's like, you remember that time you said that little old lie back there? I'm like, Yes, sir, I do. I'm sorry. I Forgive me. I'm sorry. How important is that right there? Yes. We need to take that truth that we know of the character of God and project that down into our home so that everyone in our house understands that. And for them to understand that, we have to model that. That's right. Because and I, cause I know this happens all the time from talking to people. Um, most people's idea of who God is and his character will come from whoever their father is. Mm, I mean, it's, it's, it's not everybody's, but a lot of people get hung up in that. It's like, cause their father was this way. They always see God this way. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, if you don't display, if you don't have that, that heart of grace and, a, and your house isn't full of grace, then you're going to, your children are probably growing up on, on the legalistic side, expect waiting for the hammer to fall. Yeah. In fact, most people just run away from it. They're like, right. who wants to be, he wants to have the hammer landing on their head every five Nobody days. Does. Nobody does. And, and, and being a house of grace, as we've said, doesn't mean you don't have rules, have rules. or, or um, you know, discipline. discipline. Uh, it does mean though, that we talk honestly about God frequently. We talk about God in such a manner that he's personable and we, honor the character of God. We don't misrepresent him. And part of that is then we also model it in the home. For example, you know, Paul said to husbands in Ephesians chapter mm-hmm. five, verse 25, he says to husbands, you need to love your wife like Christ loved the church. And so it's important if we're, if we're going to follow God, mm-hmm. we teach the character of God by the way we love our wives in front of our children. Right. Wives, he says, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And now he's painting this picture of just like the church respects and honors the Lord, that's how it should be 
in the home with the wife and the husband. Doesn't mean the husband is more important than the wife. They're not one in front of the other. They're walking side by side. But if the husband's going to be the spiritual leader, he's got to love the wife in such a way that there's security. Yeah, sacrificially. She needs to be able to honor and respect him. And now together, this creates this beautiful atmosphere. And then it goes on to talk about parents in chapter 6. Mm-hmm. And says, and parents, don't provoke your children to anger, but train them up in the instruction of the Lord. In other words, present God in such a way that as you discipline or as you go forward as a family, you're not making people bitter against God. Mm-hmm. You're making them want to serve God because you're modeling his grace and they want to experience that relationship for themselves. And and there's an aspect to the house. Do you remember back? You, I know you do. Okay, I'm going to take you through a series of things here. Uh, back when you were real young and you go to your grandma's house and she was cooking mm. something, you could smell it the whole mm. house, right? Yes. And then like years later, as we got a little bit older, it's like we uh, when when fragrances began to become a thing, it's like potpourri was a oh. thing. Remember potpourri? <laughs> like, does anybody have potpourri anymore? I, I never see potpourri. I don't know. I was told there were poisonous leaves. And so, you know, but the reason it was, I mean, people put them in those bowling pots and made a mess, but me could smell that, man, whenever you walked into the house, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And now the fragrance thing is still a big deal. It's still a big now market out there. Now it's oils. Candles. You plug them in everything you put them on a lot you do all kinds of things but my point in all this is whether it's it's grandma's cooking or potpourri or the fragrance fragrances that people put in whatever they put in the oils whenever you walk into those houses you have this there's, a, there's an aroma about it there's mm. a smell right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and the bible kind of uses that metaphor when it talks about worship yeah and yeah. so and and, uh, and it's so like so like the so that when you're talking about god and in a house and yeah, we should talk about him and everything we do, but there's another, and, 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 but man, it should be to the point where our worship of God, the father is like, it fills the house, like the oh, strong amen. aroma. Mm. I and, love that. That's a great analogy. And then guess what? It goes with you everywhere you go. Cause people have potpourri on them. Dude, you carried it around <laughs> to school. It is saturated on your it clothing, it was, right? It was terrible. How this, awesome would this world be if in our homes, we truly, truly said our house will honor the Lord and serve right. the Lord. And we carry that into the workplace, into the schoolhouse, into society yep. at large, right? That's what we're talking about here. Yep. If you go to Joshua 24, verse 15, that's where he says, okay, everyone, you've got to choose for yourself what type of house you'll be. As for me and my house, will serve the Lord. Back up one verse. Mm-hmm. Back up to verse 14. Here's what he says. Therefore, fear the Lord. Uh, there's that word. And worship him in sincerity and in truth, right? And then he goes on and says, now you choose, right? Mm-hmm. But he says, he, he, this is his encouragement, fear the mm-hmm. Lord, worship him in sincerity and truth. Now, when we use that word fear, yep. especially in the American church world, we totally misrepresent what Joshua is stating there at times yep. in, in some circles, right? The word fear there doesn't mean a terrifying dread. Mm-mm. It's not like, okay, God's in the house, let's run. That's not the atmosphere you want to create. The word here literally tells us to hold God in the highest regard. That's right. To honor him above all things. This is to put him in the highest yeah. position of honor in our homes. Mm-hmm. So if we're going to talk about God on a regular basis, if we're going to talk about him in a way that he's personable, if we're going to model it, watch this, then we model it by honoring him mm-hmm. and creating in our lives and in our homes an atmosphere where God is honored. And you take that mm-hmm. 
as the aroma of your own soul into the rest of the world, man, that's when impact can be made. I live my life in a way, when we can say this, that not even in the home, but in society, I'm going to honor the Lord. And I know we look at uh, worship, and uh, and we're speaking on it on one level, and most people think of it as a totally different creature. Mm-hmm. They think of it being more about music and, mm-hmm. and lighting or no lighting or hymnals or, <laughs> or, uh, or, or, or Southern gospel or contemporary or whatever. They all think about some it. Some style of music. Some style of music some or something, yes. Yeah. Whenever, I think, by and large, what, uh, whenever we talk about worship, I think the biggest aspect of it has nothing to do with music at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you when you study the scriptures, much of worship has nothing to do with music. Oh. Is music included in worship? Yeah, yep. it is. Just, but it's just one vehicle yep. of the idea of worship. That's right. Worship is a concept. It's a choice of honoring God in whatever you do. That is what worship means. The word literally means to cast worth. Mm, yep. And whatever you do, this is why Paul in the New Testament would say. In everything you do, do as unto the Lord. He's telling us to do it in a form of worship. We hold God at the highest honor. We give God our best, whatever it is we do. Like, you know, we I tease people and tell them, dude, when I drive my truck to church on the weekend to preach, if I'm coming here with the right heart and I want to honor God and I want to share his word with people mm-hmm. to build them up, just me getting out of bed and driving is a form of worship. Right. Everything we do should be an act of worship. Um, I love this passage in Deuteronomy. It says, Now Israel, this is Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12 and through 14. What does the Lord God ask of you? You know, everybody asks that question. What, what does God really want from me? This is it. It's what we're talking about today. It's to honor him. It's to worship him. Here's how I know. The scripture says, this is what the Lord asks of you, to fear the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to love him. Now, you don't love somebody you're scared of. Right. That word fear there, again, is to hold him in respect yep. and honor, honor, to honor the Lord, to walk in his ways, to love him, and to worship the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul. And so now we get back to the attitude of how we honor him, the attitude of the heart, the attitude of the soul. That's where worship comes from. That's a very specific order. I mean, if you Very look at specific. it, because worship is the last aspect of that, because I think what it's telling you is those two things before that, the honoring or the fearing and the walking. So if you have, if you're, if you had the honor of God, if you put in God first and you're walking out his, his, his word, his, his commands, his, his words to you, in other words, or the Bible in our case, mm-hmm. then guess what? That's worship. That's worship. And you're worshiping and that will be your heart and worship will be in your heart everywhere you go. So as we, so as worship, um, as, as, and I think there's in, in the New Testament, I know when you roll over into the New Testament, a lot of people will tell you that, that they'll use that verse where God is spirit and those who worship him, worship mm-hmm. him in spirit and in truth, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So that gets kind, of, gets kind of weird sometimes too. Mm-hmm. But I've always taken it, I think you've heard me say this before, but I've always taken that as uh, so that word spirit the second time is a small s even in most translations mm-hmm. and so god is a spirit which is a big s so that's a holy spirit that's a spirit he is a supernatural being and then those who worship him worship him in spirit and in truth and then that spirit to me is whenever god breathed life into adam 
when you breathe that life into Adam, he came alive. Yeah. And so that breath is the breath of life. And yeah. so that's exactly what you just said. You just literally just read. It's like if you if you want to worship God, you worship him with your life. And how do we live our life? According to the truth. And what is the truth? What we have now is according scriptures. to the, the scriptures. Yeah. It's that simple. Well, And it's exactly what Jesus said to the woman at the well. He, that's right. John chapter 4. Jesus says to this woman, uh, the Father is seeking those who will worship him in spirit and truth. Right. Now, you got to take that in context. Here's a Samaritan yep. who is saying, you Jews worship in Jerusalem. We worship over here on this mountain, right, us Samaritans. And there is division already in a belief system. Yeah, she's there. talking religion. She's talking religion. Straight up. And Jesus is saying, listen, the Father doesn't care if you worship on that mountain or in Jerusalem or any mountain. That's not what the Father's looking for. He's looking for sincerity of the heart. Mm -hmm. He's not talking about the worshiping in the Holy Spirit yet because the Holy Spirit hasn't come down yet. yet. And this is pretty well the exact same words that Moses said in Deuteronomy. Jesus is really quoting Deuteronomy. In sincerity and in truth. And you go back to that Deuteronomy passage. What did it say? To love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's yeah. what he's teaching us. To walk in his ways. To fear him. To hold him in highest honor. That's sincerity of heart. Mm-hmm. Walking in his ways. That's obeying the truth. And Jesus is saying, these are the people that God's looking for. Get into it. So watch this. Because worship music, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, it's its own genre today. Yep. <laughs> It is, you can go through the best worship service, which I hate that word anyway, worship service of music and walk out not loving God, not honoring God, not trying to live by God's word. You did not just worship. You just got entertained. Yep. And it doesn't matter if it's contemporary, traditional, bluegrass, Southern gospel. That means nothing. All music is, is the vehicle. It is, that's right. Worship is the sincerity of the heart and a life lived by truth. Mm. So now we painted this picture of a house, um, of a home, better word, and of a, of a family, whatever that family looks like. And and that and that within that family, God is being is, is, is in the fore, so it's in the forefront. God is leading this house. We've already laid this groundwork. And, and, and this house is... Uh, is understands that the world out there has a lot of different belief systems and a lot of different ways about it, but they've already, we're trying to make the stance. We see this picture of a, of a, of a house standing firm and, and it's not only just standing firm because of, of some rigid law because grace is in there and there's this display and the love of Christ is in that house and worship is in that house. People are living out their faith. And if, what if you're part of, you're in a house right now and you're trying to make that, you want that to happen. If you say, Hey, that's not where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, and some of us could be, you could be married and you need to make that decision. And some of us may be living in a way that's, that you had to, there had to be another step before that you can ever establish that in, in your household. Yeah. And what would that look like? Yeah. I mean, you know, for one, you're going to have to have the family conversation. Yep. You're going to have to have an open, real conversation and you've got to make a choice of commitment. Mm, yep, there's that word. There's the word. So watch this. This is how Joshua dealt with this. The first half of Joshua 24, he's talking about, hey, let's talk about God. Let's look at what he's done for us. 
let's don't forget the great blessings of God. Verse 14, he, he, he takes it up a notch, and he says, okay, we've talked about how great God is. Now we need to honor him, and we need to worship him in sincerity and in truth. Okay, we talked about God. He's great. We need to do this in our home. We need to have that passion in our home that our home is going to honor the Lord. Mm. Starting at verse 16 through the rest of the chapter. The rest of his sermon is all on, you're making a covenant with God today, and it is a commitment that God is going to hold you to. You're saying, we're going to serve the Lord. Now there's action that has to follow the passion. You got that? Mm -hmm. Action has to follow your passion. Right. And action isn't easy. This is where Jesus said, you want to come follow me? You want to be my disciple? Now you got to pick up your cross. And the cross looks different for all of us at, at different seasons of our lives. Yeah. So it may be the cross is our house isn't in order. Yeah. Let's get it lined up. Our relationship isn't following biblical standards. Let's get our relationship in order. Our kids, our family isn't in the right place spiritually yet to go all in for God. Let's sit down and have that conversation Let's call for the commitment. Let's give each other grace, but let's make a commitment. And so use the word commitment literally in the in a biblical sense, it means covenant. Mm-hmm. And uh and so in covenant, and the, the 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 thing that people probably don't like about covenant or they don't think about covenant is specifically in the old testament, and even in the New Testament, because technically Christ was a covenant, in order for a covenant to be made, something has to die. There's a sacrifice that's got to yep. be made. And that's then that's something nobody really wants to talk about. We don't nobody want sacrifice wants to talk about and dying is die. not good. <laughs> what does that look like? Why would Jesus say pick up a cross? Why would he? Something has to die on the cross. That's right. It may be our pride. Yep. It may be our want that we know is out of the will of God. And so a decision has to be made. Is it is it this sin that I love more than I love God. I mean, really, that's the. this is deep. I know this is difficult, but this is what it means to say, as for me and my house, we're going to follow the Lord. But it's not just about talking about the Lord and honoring the Lord. It's honoring the Lord through a commitment. That's right. What is it that's got to die on that cross? And it's there's always something, right? I mean, at every stage of my Christianity, I've realized – Things that didn't bother me before, now all of a sudden I'm convicted over, right? Mm-hmm. As you grow and mature, right? Or different phases of your life. And you're constantly having to let something die that you may experience more the presence of the Lord in, in a spiritual sense, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Picking up your cross, what does that look like? It is a, you know, you are making a covenant because God is a God of covenant. That's right. Something has to be laid down in order for you to experience the freedom that God has for you. When you, uh, that phrase, uh, carry your cross, and a lot of people will throw on the word carry your own cross. Um, <laughs> it's interesting, and this is not completely on subject, but I think it can fit, because um, I've taught this before. Um, we say that a lot, carry your own cross. Mm-hmm. But even Jesus himself then totally carry his own cross. Right. He had a man named Simon who came and helped yes. him along the path, right? Which had to blow his mind because oh, he would have he would have thought of been a 
a Peter or John or one of his 12 or three or somebody would have been those guys. Somebody from his family would have been the one to help him, but it was a stranger, mm-hmm. somebody he didn't know mm-hmm. who was the one that God called to come and help him through that window of time where he couldn't yeah. carry it on himself. And yeah. the cool thing about that picture is, is it kind of, to me, it paints the picture of what the family should be all about because mm. we are a team, mm. right? Mm. And, That's good. Uh, and so the, uh, and so, yeah, you're carrying your own cross, but man, you don't have to do it alone if your family's set up right. There's people if you, around if, you. If you've stood on, if if you if your house is uh, is following the Lord, you know, as for me and my house, if we if the Lord is who is on the emphasis, and your family is established on that, you're never doing any of that stuff alone. Mm-hmm. Your spouse, and then it, it can go farther than that. Your 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 small group is thing we always talk about. Your right. Christian friends, right. Right. but in this case, your home could be a, a support center just for you. That, that's huge because when we make a covenant with God or we make a commitment, yep. we need the support of godly people around us. We need the support of the family. That's why you know, I'm a huge proponent of these sitting down at the table and following the Shema and having mm-hmm. these God talks with our families. Husbands and wives need to have that talk. We need to have it with our kids. We need to let our kids have it with us and work through what this looks like because we're making a commitment. We are. And and you mentioned small group. God's created us for two families. That's right. He's created us for a physical family, Genesis chapter 2. Mm-hmm. But he's also created us for a spiritual family. That's right. And every home, especially any house that says, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord, needs to find itself a part of a larger spiritual house. We need right. the covering. We need the support of other brothers and sisters who mm-hmm. are also living for the Lord, making a covenant with Christ. But there's a key to all this. I know we're talking about commitment, covenant, because um, not everybody who's, not every household is a house of covenant. No. I mean, they're, they might be committed to one another, right? but they're not in covenant with God because they're, they're not married. Yeah. And I'm not saying they're not Christians. They're just not married. All right. It, it happens. And so there's, there, we know that at least over half of the relationships in this, in this country, at least in our country, or uh, aren't aren't married households, and so if you had to talk to people who are in that setting, yeah. how would you? And they and they and they're now in the church and are now wanting to make their their walk with God, walk with Christ, to be real tangible and a real solid thing. Now that they're hearing this, yeah, you know, this is a very tough subject. It is to have a conversation about with people. Uh, when you do the research, the research says most unmarried couples who are living together, even inside the church, are doing so out of fear. The number one. Uh, statistic is fear of divorce. It's the bad kind of fear. Yeah, and it's not the good fear. It's the <laughs> bad one. And they said they they know God holds marriage at such a high state. This is the research. And they fear blowing it. They fear messing it up. Mm-hmm. And it's almost if in their mind they've justified and said one sin is not as weighty as the other sin. It'd, it'd be okay to live together instead of getting married. That, that sin's a little less than others. You need to understand God isn't weighing sins by weight, okay? It's, you know, we're to obey mm-hmm. the Lord. And in our culture, we've not done a really good job of modeling the covenant within our marriages for generations. That's right. And so today, so many are not jumping into marriage. They're waiting, they're waiting, they're waiting. They're already living together, trying to see if they're compatible. And and I would encourage you, Man, it's time to sit down and have the biblical conversation and say, is this honoring the Lord? This isn't what the Lord wants. He wants the covenant because the marriage is a covenant. In fact, 
Marriage is the first covenant we find in the scriptures. Genesis chapter 2. God ordained the home. He ordained and instituted the home and marriage before he, he did the church. Right. And so I think for many people, it's just a lack of understanding that how God honors the marriage as a commitment, as a covenant, and that you <laughs> you can't wait to know if you're perfect and there's not going to be any problems before you make a covenant. Because just as I said, we said a moment ago about as we're growing as Christians, we're always finding yep. things we need to lay down on the cross, right? We need to pick up our crosses. There's, there's always changes and sacrifices to be made. Well, that's true in marriage. That's right. You can't wait till you got everything fixed and say, oh, I think we'll make it now. No, man. Understand marriage is a beautiful covenant that God has ordained, but it is that it's a covenant. And it models the covenant God has with us through salvation. You know, in Scripture, Jesus is called the groom. Mm. His church is the bride. Yeah, it's the picture of the whole relationship between God and the church. So marriage is this this beautiful in the eyes of God. Yeah. Marriage is a beautiful covenant. And it's so a cornerstone. It, I think for young couples, it's... It's, it's time to sit down and have that conversation, look at Scripture and realize God is for you. He is for your marriage. He's not against you. And if you want to honor the Lord in your relationship, it's time to talk about the commitment. And I know it can be hard because I know, you know, we could come, you could be part of a family of parents who, who never mm -hmm. got divorced, 50 years of marriage, but it wasn't 50 years of bliss. It was no. 50 years of bemoaning. No. Yeah. And when you see that picture, you're going, man, do I really yeah. want to have that? Maybe I just keep that from, you know, just keep this, just keep this mutual and not have to worry about all that other parameters. And maybe yeah. we won't end up like our parents. And here's, here's what I would say. And, and please listen to us on this because there's, we're not, we're not being judgmental here at all. We want to encourage you to follow the Lord. And we believe God can give you a great marriage, even if you've seen other marriages fail yep. who were Christian. Uh, don't judge what God can do in your relationship based on someone else's. Because here's where most people fail. And we actually used an illustration in this sermon series. Uh, it's a triangle uh, of sorts. If you, if you had a triangle and you put God at the very top and you put the, hus the man on one corner and the woman on the other corner, if you both will seek to grow in Christ together, at the same time, if if you both pursue after getting to know God more, what naturally would happen if you are on each corner, God's at the top of the pyramid uh, or triangle. If you're moving up toward God, watch this, the man and woman's growing closer together at the same time. As they grow closer to God. As they grow closer to God. So here's what happens with most people, even if they call themselves Christian, You've got a husband who seeks after God at a much more fervent rate than the wife or the wife more than the husband. And instead of growing closer together, they actually start growing further apart. And that's what we've seen. And it's it's done so much damage to the idea of commitment and covenant and marriage. I just want to encourage you, don't judge your relationship by anyone else's. You two have the heart-to-heart -heart conversation if you're in that situation and seek after God together. If you say, I, I want our home to be a home that honors the Lord. We're going to make this commitment. Yes, there's going to be sacrifices. Yes, it's scary to make a covenant. Mm -hmm. But seek God together and see if you won't grow closer together as you pursue God at the same time. So now we have 
Um, and you know what that does, Darren? What no, that? that's no. you up here. But when a man or a woman makes a commitment to each other mm. and seeks after God at the same time, it brings security to the relationship. That's right. Because you think about it. If if uh, you don't make that commitment to each other, mm. you're really two individuals who at any point in the relationship could say, I'm out, and there's nothing holding us together. There's no binding agreement. That's what right. a covenant means, a binding agreement. But when you come together in covenant with God in marriage, now all of a sudden we you're together into an agreement and you're seeking God together. It it, it shouldn't bring fear. It should bring security. Mm. It should bring a sense of safety because you're in agreement and you're moving together to seek the Lord. I think that's what a lot of people are looking for. Mm. They just don't realize that God's pattern actually gives you the security that you're looking for versus the the way the world is has convinced us. No, I don't disagree at all. And and if so say let's say people begin to make this commitment. Let's say people who are who are listening or just in general, whether they're married or unmarried, they, they want to get their house right. So they began those steps, whether it is to get married or to have those sit down talks. And they are they are trying to show God in all they do, putting God in the forefront. And man, and then there comes this whole thing with raising your kids. Because there's one mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. that we've said it a bunch, uh, and you, and reason the house is so important, specifically when it comes to raising your kids, is because, you know, we can take them to church. Mm-hmm. Church, even if it's the longest, the most charismatic church in the world, it's still not <laughs> but like three hours a week, y'all, all right? Three hours a yeah, week, all right? right? So that's, that's, that's a long one. And that's and so, not how long our services last, they by are the way. Not. And so, but in most cases, you're talking, we're only going to have our, even if they have a midweek thing for the children, right? you're talking at max an hour and a half, two hours a a week, right? And there's a whole lot of time left in there. And that's all going to come hopefully down to you because if it's not you and it's not the church, it's somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And somewhere else could be, it could be the school. And in some cases that could be okay. Sometimes, Mm -hmm. sometimes it's not depends on your school district. It could be. Maybe they're getting it from from other sources, what whatever they watch, what they listen to, their friends, and so forth Something's and so on. I mean, heavily, something is influencing your children yes. if you are not. Yep. And so, and so, but in order to to make that happen, I know I had four kids. I know you have three, and I've had a you know I've weaved my way through that with all of them being a little bit different. With some, I had to be a little more strict. With some, I had to be a little more lenient. I had to find that happy ground. Because I'm not going to lie, I messed up early on. I tried to be real strict, like real strict. <laughs> yeah. And I realized I was alienating all of my children. So <laughs> they obeyed me, but they hated everything that was coming out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. And so I had to find the Lord really broke me, went down one day and was like, what's important? You know, is it, what's more important, the love yeah. of your children and them loving you and seeing me in you and the, and having grace and hope versus me just being some strict tyrant that's going to say, this is all going to send you straight to hell. Yeah. And so eventually yeah. I broke. There's, there's, that's where grace and truth has to mode, yeah. mode together. Yeah. yeah. And so if we had to talk to parents about that and about the, uh, about this idea of, of those outside influences, and how to manage them within your home, and 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 how to do that. How would you begin? Yeah, you know, you got to you got to be able to teach your children. You got to teach them why we do what we do. Yep. And it goes back all the way to what we started with today, talking about God in a personal way. 
of wanting to love and serve him. Because think about this. When you truly understand the gospel, that God would so love the world he sent his son, that Mm -hmm. Jesus died for us. When you truly understand proper theology of salvation, and you realize that once you receive him and he forgives your sin and your name is written in heaven and that you're sealed to the day of redemption and that God never walks out on you. That's right. That's what everybody's scared of. Everybody's scared this relationship's going to end. They're going to walk out. They're going to get tired of me, right? And you realize that your God will never walk out on you. Then all of a sudden it changes the motive of you serving the Lord. You're not serving the Lord to keep him. You're serving the Lord because he won't leave. And you love and you honor and you respect him for it. And if we we got to project that onto the kids. And, and then we teach this spiritual word of what it means to be holy. Mm-hmm. The word holy simply means to be set apart. That's right. And we're saying, I'm unashamed. This is this is the whole declaration of Joshua 24, 15, when he says, choose for yourself. And then Joshua says, I can tell you for me and my family. And I got to believe they had conversation. I got to believe that Joshua and his wife, and they made this conscious decision together. We're going to serve the Lord. In other words, what you're saying is, however the rest of the world lives, however everyone else acts, we will be set apart for God. We will consecrate our hearts to serve the Lord. And you do it in with grace, not legalism not judgment but grace and it brings security and and we've got to teach that to our children that it all goes back to the personal nature of god the security that we have that god never leaves us and start serving the lord out of honor and respect not out of fear of him walking away that's right and to me there would be no uh more amazing picture than a house full of hope like that like where that's what it creates. It does, exactly. Because it's like, your kids are going to mess up. I'm just letting Absolutely. you know. I don't care how strict, loose, how, if they're your best friend, whatever you approach your parenting, um, they're going to they're, they're gonna walk, they're going to go their own path at some point. And they're going to make huge mistakes. Make mistakes. And it's like, and it's going to, it doesn't matter really to me what rules you put in place. For me, rules have always been more about, about you know, there are always boundaries and about, and for me, this is, Darren talk here about keeping those boundaries, you know, making sure you establish boundaries that you don't move around based on the situation. Then nobody respects you. But at the same time, not making them so rigidly tight that they can't escape you either. Mm-hmm. And so they, they hate you. Mm-hmm. So this is a weird. So you just got to kind of, you got to do this little thing called knowing your children, yeah. which would take time. It means <laughs> it takes communication. Commitment. It takes talking and commitment. It takes all these things we've been talking about right. in order for you to kind of understand your children and where they are. Cause guess what? It is our job to point them in the way of Christ. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I, I believe my children can make their own minds up for Jesus and everything, but man, there's sometimes we have to be kind of like the Holy spirit for them. And I know mm-hmm. that sounds like something, well, that's true. but we are the, we spiritual are the, the spiritual leaders that are home. So until they're out of our homes and doing and leading their own homes up to that point, part of my job was to spiritually to be spiritual oversight and to guide them. And uh, did that mean I, I punch them in the back of the head and point them in a direction? No, it doesn't. I mean, I'd give them, I would sit down and talk to them and say, these are your options. Like, and you know, it's like based off those options, which you should do. I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I know, you know, and, uh, and generally they almost always took the right path. You know, what I hope people are capturing what, from what you're saying is that parenting, leading our family, our children, we are preparing them 
to be able to walk for Christ, live for God once they are on yeah. their own. And it's not mama's religion, not daddy's religion. It is their faith in God, their personal relationship with God. We are cultivating that by the way we raise them. And we should be in our minds preparing them to want to serve the Lord when they are on their own. Mm, that's right. My, uh, I was blessed, especially my grandparents. My grandparents had a way of, you know, where the talking to you was worse than the whipping you got mm -hmm. from your parents. Yeah. When the grandparents found out something I'd done wrong, that was a lot worse than when the <laughs> parents found out. You know, I could handle the whipping. Um, the Cuban in me would rise up, and I wouldn't, you know, you know, you just get mad and get over it. But when the grandparents sat down to talk to me about, hey, Chris, I heard you did this. Hey, Chris, you dishonored your parents this way or whatever. Dude, that's when my heart got broke. Mm -hmm. One, because I honored and respected my grandparents so much. Secondly, because they always talked about the Lord in a way that God wasn't about to beat me down, but God had a better plan for me. Yep. Exactly right. And if I followed that pattern that I was on, I was going to miss out on the incredible plan God had for me. And, and they talked about God in such a way that I didn't want to do wrong as I grew older. Right. Not that I'm perfect, still make mistakes, but I wanted to do right. Adrian Rogers said it like this. It's like, he said, it's not that I can't sin. It's that I don't want to sin anymore. God changed my want to. My grandparents helped change my want to mm. because they made God so loving and personable. I didn't want to hurt a God who loved me that much. Mm. And that's the atmosphere we got. And when we teach that to our children. They get to grow up with a, a spirit of hope. Right. They don't have to worry about God doesn't love them. It is wanting to know God, wanting to follow God, and having the hope that God will never walk out. And a hope-filled family is a God-filled family, and a God-filled family does the work of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And it's like it's because it can it'll catapult mm -hmm. that family into a house of literally, and I use the word ministry. It's like and whenever you're if you can that ministry, is the next you can, step. and that is that's the very next step. And that is probably where we're going to conclude today because that will be something we'll be talking about That'll later. How to take message right some message. How do we go from a house of hope to a house of ministry? Yeah, that's but good. until that point, we'll see you all again next week. And we hope and we hope and our prayer is that you live a life on point. We'll see you.